1: time for Midday Edition on KPBS. Comic-Con gets back to its roots this year amid a Hollywood strike. We'll talk about what's different this year. I'm Jade Hindman. Here's to conversations that keep you informed, inspired, and make you think. She's been attending Comic-Con since the 70s. We sat down with our film critic, Beth Accomando, on preview night.
2: I mean, this is a place where I don't feel weird, I don't feel strange. I can walk down an aisle and say, no matter where you go, and some total stranger will say, there you are, because they love buckaroo bonsai like I do. And you don't generally find that elsewhere.
1: Plus, we'll talk about how books influence the convention and tell you about events you can attend without a badge. That's ahead on Midday Midday Edition. Comic-Con Week has officially begun. The pop culture convention started in 1970 as a modest gathering of comics, movies, and science fiction fans, and has really just since exploded into a global phenomenon – We went on site at the San Diego Convention Center yesterday for preview night. And like the name suggests, it's all about giving attendees a look into what the convention will have to offer before it actually opens to the general public. But before the crowds poured into the exhibit hall, we caught up with KPBS arts producer and film critic Beth Accomando about all things Comic-Con. I asked her what's changed since she first started going in the late 1970s and what keeps her coming back. Here's that conversation. I'm here with Beth Accomando. For preview night here at Comic Con, we're in the exhibit hall. Beth, how you doing?
2: I'm doing good. I'm finally here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you've been coming to Comic Con just about since it started, right?
2: Almost. I've been coming since the late '70s, so I'm I'm getting inching closer to 50 years.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, how has this um, how has Comic Con really evolved since you first started coming?
2: Well, it's a huge change, and I used to come mainly because I loved movies, and I came looking for posters, and I remember distinctly walking into Golden Hall and when you came to the top of the steps you could see the entire exhibit hall like oh, wow. all the dealers <laughs> in one purview you know and now it's I think it's a quarter mile long mm-hmm. and I think there's over 900 or a thousand exhibitors and artists and small press yeah. and you know it's grown from being a convention that attracted a few hundred people mm-hmm. to over 135,000 I think now and it took up part of the convention center and now it's expanded to everything here plus all the neighboring hotels and um, it's gotten huge. It's amazing and you yourself are actually an exhibitor. Yes, I am. Um, I work with a volunteer group called Film Geek San Diego, and we're under the fiscal sponsorship of Media Arts Center. So we raise money here for a student scholarship in honor of a young critic, Greg Muskowitz, who died when he was 23 of cancer. Mm -hmm. Um, So part of the money goes to the scholarship fund, and part of it goes to our programming at Digital Gym Cinema, because with 56 seats, you can't always pay for the films you want to screen. (laughs) Ah,
1: Nice, nice. Well, so you've got your booth here, but there are lots of booths here in this exhibit hall that i'm looking at yes um what's one that like stands out to you that you're actually looking forward to walking by and visiting
2: oh there's a lot but um i will say i always go by a place called anime link because i collect godzilla toys so that's key for me to go there uh there's a Viz Graphics this year, they're bringing this horror manga writer, and I'm not sure if they have anything special um, reflecting his work that's there, but I'm going to go scope that out as well. And I always love going to Artist Alley because you are supporting independent artists, uh-huh. and you never know what you're going to find. There's so much... I always say there's treasures waiting to be discovered.
1: Yes, well, and you've been coming for a long time, so in that, have you like seen any independent creators that have really grown from uh, right here in Comic-Con?
2: Yeah, because one, the first year I had my booth here, uh, I was working with the Asian Film Festival, and we needed a resale number to sell t-shirts uh, with the angry little Asian girl artist, and now, you know, she's got webcomics, she's got books, she's got a career out of it and back then i think all she had was a couple of t-shirts or something and a web cartoon ah very nice so in the exhibit
3: do not line
0: up for merchandise before we open to the attendees
1: and that was just a message they're really about to open the doors and i feel i feel the excitement i saw quite a few people lined up outside on my way in uh but beth this here it's just a fraction of what's here at Comic-Con so what else can people expect when they come down
2: well there's over 600 hours of programming I believe even though I know people are talking about the fact there's not as much in Hall H and the Hollywood presence isn't as big but tomorrow night I have six panels at seven o'clock I want to go to and I'm trying to figure out what to do because I love the legal geeks and I'm I'm probably going there but there's also like I said a quarter mile of this floor so there's artist alley there's small press there's still people selling old comics, vintage comic books. There are people selling toys. Um, there's gaming sections here on the floor now, which is not new, but you know, when Comic-Con started, that yeah. wasn't as big a deal. So now wow. you have huge booths for some of the gaming companies. Yeah. Uh, there's also some outside activations. One thing I'm desperately trying to go to is the... Eatovers, which I mentioned uh, Junji Ito, who's a manga artist and creator, and they've got some of his horror work, oh, which I love. It. I love. <laughs>
1: that would be my cup of tea as well. Um, so tell me about this. You know, we know that like DC and Marvel, they've got something a little different happening this year, correct?
2: Well, um, they're not, so Marvel and DC have not always been on the exhibit floor. So this year they are not in Hall H, but both of them do have dealers booths here on the floor. And you know, one thing that's interesting about that too is people complain that Comic-Con has gone to Hollywood, but I would like to point out that Marvel and DC, two of the biggest comic distributors and creators, used to be DC Comics and Marvel Comics, Mm -hmm. and now they've branched out. They are, I think, DC Entertainment and Marvel Entertainment. They do more than just comic books, and Mm -hmm. Comic-Con reflects that, they reflect that. It's a changing landscape. Comics are not exactly what they used to be. I know some people mourn the fact that there aren't as many physical comic books out on the floor, but especially this year, there is a lot to celebrate about comic books and creators. And, you know, why, I guess, while people say
1: that, you know, Comic-Con has really gotten Hollywood... There's not a lot of Hollywood here now because of all of the strikes. You've got the writer's strike, you've Mm -hmm. got the SAG-AFTRA strike. How are you seeing this impact, um, this convention?
2: Well, as somebody who's been going since the late 70s, way before there was a Hall H, way before Hollywood had a big presence here, Hall H is just a fraction of the programming for me, and usually because of the big lines, I didn't want to devote that much time to waiting for something like that, and I would go to smaller panels, Mm -hmm. so... I don't see it as a big impact. I'm kind of excited about the fact that we have foreign creators coming out here, like Junji Ito's coming from Japan. This is a big deal. Viz Graphics uh, has brought over uh, manga artists from Japan before. They always seem to underestimate how popular that's going to be. Mm -hmm. And without a big Hollywood presence, I think he may get more attention and there's also a panel on Indian films and it's the Tollywood movies this is RRR was a Tollywood movie that means it was in the Telugu language not in Hindi which are the Bollywood films Indian films are wildly popular and I'm really curious to see if that popularity might transfer over and without the media having mainstream Hollywood to cover, Mm -hmm. maybe those films will get a little more attention this year and it might be interesting. Might get a little more
1: shine, I can see that. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, but so, you know, given that these folks are, are fighting for higher wages, I'm just curious how much, how impactful are they to this industry?
2: Well, I mean, you can't have a movie without writers. Uh, I know that some of the studio executives might think with AI we can get around a real writer, but I don't think that's going to be the case. I mean, AI can probably write a mediocre movie just as well as a mediocre writer can, but I don't think you're going to get boldly original films from that. And I think there is going to be one panel this year on AI and the SAG... President, I believe, is going to make a appearance and mm-hmm. hopefully we'll answer some questions about what the union's standing for. The last time both these unions went on strike was in 1960 and it resulted in getting residual checks. Mm-hmm. And that was because that was a huge change in the entertainment landscape. There was television and that was changing the way people saw movies mm-hmm. and how long these films had a lifespan and how long you could make money off of them. And we have to acknowledge that streaming channels are changing the landscape again. So hopefully those higher ups are going to wake up and realize that there needs to be an adjustment. Yeah. But in
1: speaking of AI, do you see that um, in the future being used for comics, illustrations, things like that? How do you do you see AI actually having a place um, in this industry?
2: I mean, I think there is a place for it. I think there's a way to use it. I don't think it should be used as a replacement for human beings. Right. But, I mean, maybe having an AI go over your script and look for plot holes or maybe just give you some feedback. You know, maybe that's a way to go. But, I, I mean, I always feel like when there's new technology and new things, people yeah. are afraid. But I think... There's good and bad in it and we'll have to wait and see how it pans out and we need to be alert to the fact that maybe there are some things we need to be cautious about Mm -hmm. or some things that we need to make sure are accounted for in terms of, you know, actors and writers and what their careers are about. Well, absolutely,
1: I mean like I, you know, lately I've been on social media (laughs) on my Facebook and I've noticed there are like, there are illustrations from AI, Mm -hmm. you know, and so when you see that, you've got to think about, you know, how that could impact um, any visual element, um, whether it's in a comic book or on the television. I mean, all of these images could just be created with AI and and, you know, I wonder if that's something that um, people are looking at. Attention
0: exhibitors, the hall will open momentarily. Please make sure that all merchandise and trash are out of the aisles and return to your exhibits. Attendees will be entering the hall shortly
1: and the countdown begins. The countdown begins! <laughs> Alright, so before they open the doors um, getting back to the root of Comic-Con, comic books, what do you think about the impact and of, of local um, comics here in San Diego?
2: Well there are a lot of local creators. Uh, IDW is a local San Diego based comic publisher so they have a booth and a presence here and you know there are a lot of people here who Write comics that might be in the small press or web comics, and you know that's another reason why I always say go out to small press and artist alley. Talk to those people. Find out who's a local artist that you might want to support. Um, look at the panels. See who locally is appearing that you might want to go out and support, or just discover. And you know, beyond comics, I have a friend who's got a panel on gaming. There's mm-hmm. a game called Micklin that's made by um, uh, a company that's, I think, south of the border in Mexico and uh, engages artists from around the world. So there's like so much here. And you know, anybody who says Hollywood's absence means this is not as good, uh, you're not looking hard enough. <laughs> and you, this is something that you are,
1: are so excited about every year, Beth. Yes. Um, <laughs>
2: Why why, why are you so excited about it after all of these years of coming? Because this is, you know that scene in Force Awakens when Chewie and, and Han get back on the Millennium Falcon and they go, Chewie, we're home. Well, that's <laughs> what it feels like coming to Comic-Con. I mean, this is a place where I don't feel weird. I don't feel strange. I can walk down an aisle and say, no matter where you go, and some total stranger will say, there you are, because they love buckaroo bonsai like I do. And you don't generally find that elsewhere. I don't find it at the workplace, (laughs) Um, but, you know, I feel like I have kindred spirits here, people who are passionate about pop culture, Mm -hmm. people that I can go up to and engage in a a discussion about something, you know, whether it's Star Wars related or Godzilla or questions about gaming because I don't know that much and I want to find out. I find that people are really open to talk and they're, like, They share passions. And even if I don't understand their passion, like, you know, when the Twilight Moms were here, I don't know why they love that movie so much. (laughs) But I appreciate fandom. I appreciate when people love something so much that they are willing to camp out overnight or Mm -hmm. spend a lot of money or, you know, whatever, dress, spend thousands of dollars on a costume. (laughs) Like, I love that. I love that passion for, for things
1: and sharing that. And that was my conversation with KPBS arts reporter Beth Accomando about her journey through Comic-Con and what she's excited to see this year. Check out Beth's Comic-Con coverage on kpbs.org slash Comic-Con. Now, once the countdown you heard over the loudspeakers in that segment was over and the exhibit hall finally opened for preview night, long lines of fans poured in, some traveling 19 hours just to get here. This is what they all had to say.
3: I'm from Dallas, Texas. We drove here today. We drove 19 hours starting yesterday at like 7 p.m. Uh-huh. That's dedication. I respect that. It was a long drive, but like, oh, it was so worth it to be here, especially opening day. I'm definitely looking forward to crying in about 15 minutes when, it, when it hit, it's going to hit me at some point that I'm at San Diego Comic-Con, that it's this whole big deal. I've wanted this for a decade, and I just... I'm gonna cry, and it's gonna be worth it. <laughs> every tear. What about
0: I'm looking to spend every dime of adult money that I brought to this show to buy silly child collectibles.
1: You're just willing to spend it all, huh?
0: I'm ready. The credit card is brand new, and it'll, so the friction won't burn through it this time. That's kind of a problem when you come to these. They just start to kind of melt after. Just come up. So I'm ready for that, but also, you know, getting some good interviews and talking to people and just the general air of San Diego Comic-Con. There's no show like this on the planet.
1: No, and you guys are coming every day, right?
0: Oh, yeah.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely every day for as many hours as we possibly well, can sweet. every day.
1: <laughs> what is what is sleep? What is this? I don't, I'm just checking. I'm just making sure you guys are really, you know, into this, like schedule, you said.
0: I have scheduled a four-day coma after this, so I'll be good to
1: go.
3: The best thing that I think I'm going to do for myself, I'm going to drink water. I am, a, I assume I'm going to eat some food at some point during this exchange, but sleep, no. Sleep is not a thing.
4: For the con in general, just being able to get what we're after. <laughs> yes. What about the new, the, uh, the, uh, any, any updated, I suppose, uh, items or lines or just anything in regards to the departments that we like uh, we tend to enjoy i mean we're big superhero fans we tend to have the same tastes and so uh, i just i just like the the uh, vibe and the setting that that usually comic con has so if i have the opportunity to come it just it just overall makes me feel great you know it's a little a little break from work
1: so so for you guys then this the the lack of hollywood presence because of the strikes you know, for for you guys, that really is not going to impact your Comic Con experience because you you're kind of You 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 you're
4: with the roots. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, for myself, it's it's cool to see that type of celebrity type of stuff here, but it's not for me personally. I mean, I like to go there for the original Comic Con. You know, it's all the superhero stuff, of product wise, comic book wise, and just collectibles and all that. Yeah, merchandise, swag. I don't know it on I mean. But no, no, it doesn't necessarily impede our experience no, not at all not at all i mean it's like what's going on absolutely it's it's terrible i wish i i hope that they can find some form of resolution but overall i mean it is what it is uh but i'm still gonna come and we still come and just enjoy overall our time because it's not like you said what comic-con is all about originally was just you know comic books and entertainment and whatnot so uh yeah there's a big department in regards to the movie industry hollywood uh but that's that's like about what 10 15 percent of what we're really here for mm-hmm. It's really up and down because as much as I kind of want to see a lot of the big stuff, a lot of the big stuff normally happens in Hall H. And of all the times I have not been to Hall H, so it's kind of like, uh, well, I have put in the effort to be in line for three hours and stuff for it. So I it sucks because you kind of want more stuff to kind of happen and stuff, but they're doing it for the right thing, so I, I'm not going to fault them for doing it. So they'd have to do what they have to do and I'll just have to experience everything else.
1: I mean, since this Comic-Con is different than the ones in the past, what are you looking forward to most? Um, going back to the old school ways where it's it primarily focused on the artists and the comics.
5: Um, so here we're standing at the Udon Entertainment where there are you know, old, com- old cartoons where we've grown up with and started with a comic book, but it's grown so big, but now bringing it back. So. Anything else you want to say or add? Uh, no, I'm just looking forward to a really great Comic Con, an easy Comic Con with, uh, without the lines and the, the hassles of trying to see Marvel. <laughs> I think it's going to be a bit, a bit of a different vibe because, um, you know, there's not going to be any big name actors coming around, but um, I think it's good that the actors are striking because, you know, Hollywood needs to actually pay the writers and the actors to live in Los Angeles. It's really expensive to live there, you know? So I I really hope the deal goes through and for Comic-Con I think it'll be fine because there's already a lot of people that paid for tickets and most people are just here to enjoy the convention, you know.
3: Yeah.
1: Anything else you want to say or add? Um, Happy Comic-Con, you know, all that, yeah. What do you look forward to most when it comes to Comic-Con? Give us a call at 619-452-0228, leave a message, or you can email us at midday at kpbs.org. Coming up, we'll talk about the literary presence at this year's convention. Just
6: the way, you know, we see super fans of Star Wars or Marvel. We have super fans that are Pierce Brown fans or Martha Wells fans or any other kind of authors and everybody gets to hang out at comic-con you're listening to kpbs midday edition
0: hi i'm bill Hohen and i'm ted Hohen. over the past 50 years our family has brought many world-class dealerships to carlsbad including mercedes-benz porsche audi honda acura jaguar
1: Welcome back. You're listening to KPBS Midday Edition. I'm Jade Hindman. We're talking about things to see at Comic-Con. Think about some of your favorite shows or movies. Chances are they were adapted from a book first. Here are some of our favorite page-to-screen adaptations, all of which have made an appearance at Comic-Con in the past few years.
0: I offer, for your journalistic pleasures, my life story. So... How long have you been
4: dead? Do you often dream things that happen just as you dream them? Yes.
3: The Darkling has created an unkillable army made of shadow. There
0: she is, Kansas 17! The girl on fire! The power inside you.
2: All over the world, there are different names for it.
4: Men would sooner put the realm to the torch
3: than see a woman ascend the Iron Throne.
1: Beyond their adaptations, books continue to make a lasting impact on pop culture, and they have a space in Comic-Con. Over 500 exhibitors will be at the convention, among them booksellers, publishers, authors, and artists. We wanted to hear from one local bookstore about what it's like to work at the pop culture convention and connect with the writer reader community here. Joining us is Jenny Marchisoto. She is co-owner of Mysterious Galaxy, an independent bookstore in San Diego. Jenny, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. So glad to have you here. A lot of people might think of movies, TV shows, or comics when it comes to Comic-Con, but it also has a strong literary presence. Could you give us more insight into that side of the convention?
6: Yeah, so Comic-Con, in addition to all of, you know, the exciting sort of movies and everything you just noted, has a lot of book-oriented panels and panels geared towards sci-fi and fantasy authors as well as graphic novels and comics obviously uh, YA even a little bit of romance we're seeing and mysterious galaxy is a part of that and so on the main floor of comic-con we have a booth we sell books there there's also plenty of publishers selling books on the main floor and then we do a bunch of author signings upstairs as well
1: Mm, Nice. And as an exhibitor, what's it been like to work at the convention as a
6: local independent bookstore? So it's a lot of fun. It is great to see the community of Comic-Con and the book community that is related to Comic-Con. There's a lot of excitement at Comic-Con over these authors and these really prominent names, but also discovering new authors and hearing from new people and finding other book lovers in the way that um, any fan community has. So just the way you know we see super fans of Star Wars or Marvel, we have super fans that are Pierce Brown fans or Martha Wells fans or any other kind of authors and everybody gets to hang out at Comic-Con and have that sort of community space. And you mentioned
1: author panels and signings. What does Mysterious Galaxy have in store for the con this year?
6: Yeah, so this year, Mysterious Galaxy helped organize eight panels. Um, the panels we organize pull authors from all different publishers as well as um, some of the Comic Con special guests. So they're there to really um, create more conversation across different publishing audiences. And so this year we have quite a few. They're geared towards science fiction, world building in fantasy literature. There's one for kind of authors writing for younger generations in terms of middle grade picture book and YA novels. Um, I will be moderating a panel on romance and fantasy literature. Uh, Really, there's a lot of sort of diversity thematically across the different panels. What's that process
1: of preparing for Comic Con been like? I mean, I, I imagine it takes quite
6: a lot of planning. It really does. Um, so we've been working on this for several months now. Uh, we work very closely with the Comic Con programming team, and you know they are really um, incredibly helpful and incredibly supportive. And we talk with them, and then we also reach out to publishers and ask publishers, you know, who, what authors would they be able to send? Who would they love to include? Um, And gathering that information, we then kind of craft these different panels and sort of curate the different intersections of authors. And then we go back and submit those for approval and see what comes from that. Um, And then any of these panels also will be accompanied by author signings. So any of the authors on these panels, Um, attendees will also get a chance to sort of meet and get their book signed and perhaps take a picture and all of those things.
1: Hmm. So what's a good panel to you? And are there any you're particularly excited about?
6: Uh, A good panel to me is one that is fun and one that can create a lot of conversation, I guess. And it's not sort of just asking questions, but when the authors are able to get excited and talk to one another and not just whoever's moderating, Um, There are a few that I'm excited about. I'm obviously very excited about the one I'm moderating and co-moderating with one of my very good friends. And we are doing a panel with a range of, I think, five romance and fantasy authors. I love romance. I'm a big fan of romance and fantasy. Fantasy. So when they come together. That's really the best. Um, We also have some of my other favorite authors that'll be there. Uh, Nedia Okorafor, who is an African futurist author, is going to be on a science fiction panel. And I really, really adore Nnedi's work. Um, So I'm excited to hear her speak as well.
1: Mysterious Galaxy has actually been exhibiting at Comic-Con for years before you took over the bookstore. What has taking over the
6: mantle been like? It has been a lot of excitement and a lot of work and a lot of responsibility but it is at the same time a lot of fun for me um last year was our first sort of full-sized comic con as owners and it was you know in many ways exhausting but in many more ways invigorating and really exciting to see you know what an event like this which is such a big part of the store's history and you know what we at Mysterious Galaxy really focus on in terms of events and community. And so to see it sort of really getting back towards a full swing was incredibly nice and exciting. And this year, I feel like it's only going to continue to grow again. And it's, it's such a big part of what the store is that it was so nice to finally see it firsthand. You're listening to KPBS
1: Midday Edition. I'm Jade Hindman. I'm speaking with Jenny Marchesotto, co-owner of Mysterious Galaxy Bookstore. And Jenny, I'm curious about uh, Mysterious Galaxy's journey. You bought the bookstore with your husband in 2020 after the original owner lost its lease. Then shortly after reopening, you closed for two and a half years because of the pandemic. Tell us about that.
6: So, you know, as with any sort of small business, we were very, very dramatically affected by COVID. And we closed very quickly. Um we throughout COVID were very, very cautious of reopening and we really wanted to keep health and safety of our customers as well as the staff and ourselves sort of at the forefront. And so that had to we had to very quickly change how we were doing business and what we were focusing on. Um, most of our Customers became online customers just by virtue of the store being closed. So we expanded sort of our online presence, our social media presence, and really tried to grow the community in ways that, you know, we hadn't necessarily had a chance to do beforehand or the store hadn't had a chance to do beforehand. And it was, it was rough. We, you know, really were doing everything we could. And when I say we, I mean, you know, not just my husband and I, but the staff, our wonderful, wonderful staff, our wonderful customers. We found tremendous support from all of those audiences. And that really helped, you know, us get through this, which was exciting. Um, we're now, you know, open. We've been open again for about a year. And honestly, we're still sort of seeing the after effects of it because those two years were, you um, quite difficult. But we're also seeing a lot of growth and a lot of continued growth in terms of events like Comic Con or, you know, we also have the San Diego Festival of Books coming up in August. And we are really hoping that those things continue to grow.
1: Yeah, I mean, those two years, I'm sure cast a lot of uncertainty, but it's good to see you all still afloat. Uh, Mm -hmm. You touched on this earlier, Uh, Mysterious Galaxy started out as a genre bookstore and specialized in fantasy, science fiction, horror, mystery, Uh, but you've also expanded your offerings in romance, graphic novels. Could you tell us more about that?
6: Yeah, so when we moved, when we purchased the store and we moved to the new space, um, we had more room, honestly, and that allowed us to sort of grow other genres that were always Sort of present in the store, but maybe not as present as sort of the main genres that we focused on. I personally have always been a fan of romance uh, for many, many long years, and so that was an exciting thing for me to see grow. It also we saw a lot of um, growth and demand for romance during the pandemic. I think everyone really wanted their happily ever afters, and right now we're also seeing a a boom in horror, and we've always had a strong horror presence. One of our booksellers is an incredible fan of the genre and knows it very intimately. And they're not the only one. Um, I've started reading more horror and we have more people. And so now we're sort of seeing a rise in horror. And Mm -hmm. we're very excited about that as well. So we've been able to sort of increase what previously were very very niche areas because we've always been a a store that focuses on specific genres like as opposed to sort of a general audience and even now the more niche areas of those genres are getting uh, more attention and we're able to expand and give even more sort of like extensive recommendations and offer that to customers
1: You also hold a lot of in-store events like author signings, book clubs, and even a Dungeons and Dragons meetup. Why is it important to hold these events and have this safe space for the reading community?
6: So all of these in-store events, and you know, we are so excited that they're coming back. These are the reasons like why independent bookstores are so important to us. It's creating a community space. It is something that is different than what You know, Amazon can offer or, you know, shopping online can give you. It is having a space where you can have a conversation with an author and ask them questions and be close to and see the other readers that are also excited and also engaged. And just having that connection is the joy of what a bookstore can do. And it's the bookstore at its best is just sort of like bringing people together in that way. In support of a community space, in support of the authors, and, and just finding new things to love.
1: What's your ultimate goal for Mysterious
6: Galaxy at Comic Con, but also beyond? I mean, so when my husband and I talked about Mysterious Galaxy, when we first decided to purchase it um, and take over the business, you know, our ultimate goal has always been to continue to provide a space that is inclusive and welcoming and celebratory of all things genre and the community that that represents and invites and so that that's really all we have ever wanted and that's what we want to continue you know we were parts of this community beforehand we were avid customers my husband has been a customer essentially his whole life his family has frequented the store Um, or much of his life at least. And that's all we want. We want to be able to have a space that is really celebrating and welcoming and helping to um, share books and new books and different books and all of these sort of elements of literature and of reading communities that bring so much joy and we just want to keep supporting that. What are your book recommendations? Oh, ah, so it always <laughs> depends on what people are looking for. Um, one of my favorite books of this year, I will say, though, is uh, The Adventures of Amina al-Sarafi by Shannon Chakraborty. Mm-hmm. It is a sort of high fantasy adventure, um, a lot of action. I When I try to sell it to people, I tell them it has everything. It's a story of a retired female pirate captain who has to come out of retirement for one last job and get the gang back together. Um, And it's the beginning of a trilogy. However, it does not have a cliffhanger. So you can go through that, but it's just um, a really exciting to me, fast paced adventure with excellent characters, fantastic banter that made me laugh and chuckle throughout, but also intense, Um, intensely detailed and eloquent sort of world building through the lenses of these characters and their history. And I love it. I've been recommending it as much as possible. (laughs) All right.
1: All right. I have to check that out. I've been speaking with Ginny Marchisoto, co-owner of Mysterious Galaxy Bookstore. And Ginny, it was so great talking with you today. Thank you. It's been great talking to you as well. Coming up, we'll tell you the off-site Comic-Con events you can attend without a badge.
5: Anybody who's into nostalgia will love these experiences provided at the Park Night Club. One of them is the Malibu Daydream Experience, which is Barbie Girl-themed. You're listening to
1: KPBS Midday Edition.
0: Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com.
1: Welcome back. You're listening to KPBS Midday Edition. I'm Jade Hindman. We've been talking about all things Comic-Con. We know how hard it is to get a Comic-Con badge with hundreds of thousands of potential attendees hoping to land one each year. But even if you don't have a badge, don't fret. There will still be plenty of pop culture offerings across San Diego throughout this weekend. That includes the big off-site activations in downtown, which usually don't require a badge, to more low-key events like special movie screenings and art shows. Here to talk more about these pop culture events and more is Leslie Gonzalez. She's a web producer with KPBS. And Leslie, welcome. Thank you, Jade. I'm happy to be here. Glad to have you. So Leslie, what are some of the big offsites in downtown this year?
5: Oh, boy. Well, surprisingly, or not surprisingly, there's a lot of great stuff happening that are not happening Particularly in the convention center, if you have or don't have a badge. One of them being the Hulu Anime Mayhem, which is Hulu's new sub brand for adult animation and anime series. So, if you're a fan of shows like Bob's Burgers, Family Guy, or Futurama, then they're going to have this immersive offsite activation at the Hilton, San Diego Bayfront parking lot. And it's going to be Thursday through Sunday. And that's July 20th to the 30th. And it's free. There's also an adult swim festival on the green. And now that's gonna happen where attendees will find a program block with music, comedy panels and signings. And to top that off, I know that it's gonna be in a different location aside from the Hilton San Diego Bayfront. That's actually gonna be over at the Hilton San Diego Bayfront at uh, near that location where South uh, Embarcadero is.
1: All right. And Comic-Con is also huge for gamers and, and fans of anime. What should be on their radar? Well, for one, the Marriott Marquis is
5: holding a special exhibition for their special Dragon Ball outdoor booth. Uh, not only will fans learn how to play the Dragon Ball Supercar game, but they also get a chance to get their hands on the new Dragon Ball Xenoverse 2 that was launched back in, in May. So it's free to attend and there'll also be an immersive experience with large statues and other games that you can possibly get your hands on. Sounds
1: like a lot of fun there. Uh, There will also be a Comic-Con art show. So what can people expect to see there? And when is it? Oh, gosh, I love art shows.
5: Uh, I get to meet all sorts of artists and creators there. And if you're in the area, it'll be between July 20th and 23rd at the Manchester Grand Hyatt. There, anyone can find original works of art, jewelry, and other unusual items. So come with a full pocket and get ready to spend a lot of money on some artwork.
1: And panels, they're not just limited to the convention either. There's also going to be a panel at the downtown library, right?
5: Yes. Uh, The downtown library will uh, hold panels where Comic Con and San Diego Public Library teamed up for the Comic Con Conference for Educators and Librarians. And it's for a five day event. The panels vary on topics uh, such as roles in comics, play in promoting education and literacy. Um, Those in the library field are invited to learn creative and exciting ways to incorporate comics and other pop culture art into their work.
1: You're listening to KPBS Midday Edition. I'm Jade Hindman speaking with KPBS web producer Leslie Gonzalez about the top things to do this Comic-Con weekend if you don't have a badge. Leslie, how about movies? The Rooftop Cinema Club will host some special Comic-Con screenings. Which movies are they showing? So you can expect to see movies like Captain Marvel, Interstellar, Scream 6, and the
5: Super Mario Brothers movie. Um, The list of films are for all ages, with parents' permission, of course. Um, And I have to give you a word of caution is that the showtimes can vary and are quickly selling out. So hop onto the Rooftop Cinema Club's website and check out to see what tickets are available ASAP. The event is held at the Manchester Grand Hyatt, and admission can vary starting at
1: $19.50 and up. All right. Snoopy uh, is also huge nowadays, Uh, and they're actually celebrating the 50th anniversary with a Camp Snoopy pop-up. What's in store for Peanuts fans? Well,
5: Peanuts fans can expect the Camp Snoopy experience where you can come in and do all sorts of Beagle Scout activities, such as uh, a bird watch where you have to find Woodstock and his friends. It's a scavenger hunt. You can also have navigation lessons with Peanuts themed compasses and writing letters from home like a true camper. Um, You can also watch for limited stock of featured merch like Adorable Woodstock's You Toots Plush, Pinchel Pins of Snoopy, and the Beagle Scouts. And you can attend these events with a price range of $10 to $25 uh, around 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Thursday through Sunday at 200 J Street downtown.
1: And what about some fun food and
5: drink options? One particular food and drink option I'm actually looking forward to seeing is the Hello Kitty Cafe food truck. That'll be rolling into the Petco Park Interactive Zone from July 20th to the 23rd, but the hours vary on the date. The truck will not only sell just yummy Hello Kitty themed baked goods like the macarons and the Madelines, but you can also get feel-good merch like
1: mugs and t-shirts, plushies, pins, and more. Uh, Sounds adorable. And I can't wait for that. (laughs) Um, And what events are best for kids in that toddler age?
5: Well, I know that there are other uh, events like you can go in and do your own DIY comic books and zines, which are happening at certain library events. In the South Bay, you can join the San Ysidro Library Superhero Shield family craft activity where kids can make a superhero shield inspired by their favorite character and take it home for free um, with a free comic book um, while supplies last, of course. Walk-ins are always welcome. And that's 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Saturday, July 22nd at the San Ysidro Library.
1: And for music, the Park Nightclub in downtown is hosting four bashes, all themed around something nostalgic. Tell us more about those. Okay, so
5: anybody who's into nostalgia will love these experiences provided at the Park Night Club. One of them is the Malibu Daydream Experience, which is Barbie girl themed. The entire venue will be decked out in this immersive dollcore aesthetic. And they encourage attendees to choose their own adventures when they walk in, whether it's raiding the club's Barbie themed closet or lounging in a ball filled bubble bath. Uh, You can also just hang out by their pool. Uh, This is a kind of place where you can live life in plastic. It's fantastic, of course. And if you know that, you know, and that is going to be at the 615 Broadway in downtown.
1: All right. And are there any events that we didn't talk about that are on your radar? I mean, any that you're just super excited about? Honestly, all of them are fantastic. Um, I'm
5: more of a nightlife person myself. So one in particular I'm looking forward to is the Nick at Nightclub, which is also at the Park Nightclub. Um, and these are for anybody who stayed up late watching like Double Dare 2000 or Nick at Night. Um, and anybody who wished to get slimed on stage, this is a place for you to hang out um, where you can just dress up, meet your favorite characters in cosplay and uh, just have a good time. And that's going to be uh, on Thursday. Thursday, July 30th, and it's going to last till 2am the next day.
1: So yeah. All right. Sounds like a lot of fun happening this weekend. I've been speaking with Leslie Gonzalez, web producer at KPBS. To check out more of these events and the rest of our Comic-Con coverage, go to kpbs.org slash Comic-Con. And Leslie, thank you so much for joining us and have a blast this weekend. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thank you for letting me be here and talking to you. does Comic Con mean to you? What do you look forward to most? Give us a call at 619 452 0228. You can leave a message or email us at midday at kpbs.org. We'd love to share your thoughts here on the show. Don't forget to watch Evening Edition tonight at 5 for in depth reporting on San Diego issues. The Roundtable is here tomorrow at noon. Midday returns Monday. Before we go, I'd like to thank our team. Juliana Domingo, Andrew Bracken, and Harrison Patino are the producers, with the assistance of Ariana Clay. Technical directors are Adrian Villalobos and Rebecca Chacon. Art segment producers are Julia Dixon-Evans and Beth Acamando. The music you're hearing is from San Diego's own Surefire Soul Ensemble. As always, you can find the Midday Edition podcast on all platforms. I'm your host, Jade Hindman. Thanks for listening, and have a great weekend, everyone.
0: Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda...